This is real life, guys, with our daughter Ellie joining us on the podcast mm -hmm. for our mm -hmm. intro episode. <laughs> she does not have a speaking role, but she would not take her nap. Yes, so. she would not stay asleep. Here we are. Welcome back to season two of the podcast. I am so excited to share this with you guys. Right, Ellie, are you so she excited? She really is so excited. Because <laughs> we're coming out of a season of, I, I don't think Tiffany has slept for more than three hours in At over time. six months. But yeah. this, this topic has energized her so much. It's been it really kind of exciting. Mm -hmm. I know. I just can't wait to talk about it. And like the more I hear from you that some of you are questioning these same things and going through the same process, quote unquote deconstruction, we're going to talk about what that means to us in a minute. Mm -hmm. It just, mm -hmm. it, it encourages me and I'm so excited to talk with you guys. So most of these podcast episodes, we're having guests come on. I'm going to interview and talk about different things. They're more like experts in different areas like hell, LGBTQ plus, like it's going to be super fascinating. There's some amazing interviews we've already done. Um, but Every so often, we're gonna have an episode with just me and James, where we will debrief what we've been talking about so far and just have a conversation about it. Um, and today I wanted to start this whole series with a video with just me and James, talking about our own personal journeys and what how my journey through these questions has mm -hmm. impacted our marriage. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just to talk about these things. So in the podcast, the first thing we're gonna talk about in every interview is fruit. Jesus said, you know a tree by the fruit that it bears. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And so I think it's really important whenever we're looking at difficult, controversial topics to ask, what is the fruit of this way of thinking? How does this impact our lives and other people's lives? And that can be very illuminating. So I want to start with that question for us, just like I will for every interviewee. So what was, James, your mm. old way of thinking about God and the Bible? I would say probably 80% of the way that I have I think about the Bible is still the same. Can but there's the but there's 20% that is different. So I'll tell you that the 20% that is different was I definitely remember growing up in a concert as a smart kid who followed a moral lifestyle, who was sort of like I was like the good really good kid in my church. Um, I saw the Bible as a way to connect to God, which I still do, but also um, the place where I would find out all the answers for every question I needed to know about life. Mm -hmm. And I really believed that if you looked through the Bible, you would be able to figure out what the Bible said on the big important issues of life, which included, you know, political and social issues. Mm -hmm. And for me, I used to see God, I saw God as someone who loved me and I still see God that way. Um, but I also was very caught up in the duty of being a Christian, the disciplines. And so I remember as even a pre-teenager, like 11, 12 year olds, what 11, 12 year old does this, I would be like in the basement for an hour each day and I would not let myself leave there until that hour was up of me spending time with God. And like, it was a finished basement, it wasn't totally creepy, but like <laughs> I would be down there like reading my Bible, praying, trying to make something happen, some encounter with God. and. I was very caught up in that. Like, I didn't think I could be a good Christian or that God would be pleased with me if I didn't do enough of that. And I wouldn't have said it was works-based at the time, um, but looking back, it definitely was a works-based mentality. If you missed your hour, cut the hour short. Oh my gosh, I'd be so guilty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to the next question, which is what was the fruit of that way of thinking in your life? Well, I believed everything that mattered was a black and white. Mm. You know, God, 
God, God was the, the, the fountain of all truth. So therefore, there must be a right and wrong answer to every question. Mm. And it really was, if it was gray, if there was a gray area, it was because you weren't diligent or honest enough to see what God really had to say mm. about something. And I still remember being 16 and um, talking to someone who was a little bit older in my church about the difference between our conservative Presbyterian denomination and this other conservative Presbyterian denomination and how clearly if there was a theological difference, we were right and they were wrong. And he was <laughs> like, well, I do, I do think that there were gray areas. And I was like, no, Chris, no. Everything is black and white. I live in a world of black and white. I remember that, but I think the fruit is that I was just very focused on right and wrong, and I wasn't as focused on relationships with people. Mm. It was all about yeah. knowing and doing the right thing. That totally makes sense. I think for me, the fruit of that duty boundness was anxiety. I felt a lot of anxiety and guilt in my relationship with God, and it all hinged on how I was performing. And again, I would never have said it was works-based at the time, but looking back, it was all about my performance. And if it wasn't about what God had done, it was what I was doing. And I felt a lot of anxiety over that. So, okay, my, my third question, the last one we'll do about fruit, and every podcast interview with our different amazing guests are gonna start with these three questions. Um, what was your aha moment when you realized that maybe you were misunderstanding God or the Bible? The change came from more of a change in my life, which was halfway through college. I realized that, you know, performing well on paper, performing well in class, you know, being very smart really only gets you so far in life. And it's not just a matter of success because I was, and I had a 4.0 halfway through college. I was selected as like the most outstanding sophomore at my college for um, a, a, an honor society. So on paper, like things were going very well, but relationally I realized that mm. I was missing a lot and that mm. I didn't really, I, I didn't even really have the capacity to value relationships in many mm. ways. And um, that was a big that summer was a big turning point in my life where I really started to reorient how I spent my time less around, um, you know, career or academic activities and more around building relationships with people. And again, this is why I say the 80% is the same, 20% is different. It's not that I, I see the Bible that differently. It's that my main focus is on a relationship, my relationship with God and my relationship with others. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I see the Bible differently. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it's less about discerning the right theology and right and wrong and it's more the bible is more about the way i connect with god mm. and for me i think the biggest aha moment for me was hearing that some of my friends who i knew truly loved god and were committed to him um were starting to question and think differently on some of these hot button issues um, and that was extremely stressful for me. That shook me up. The anxiety that caused was enormous in mm -hmm. my life. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't even want to see those friends for a while, to be honest, because it was too hard for me to see them without thinking about all these questions that I wanted to ask and I wasn't giving myself permission to ask. I felt like it was heresy even to ask the question. <laughs> and it was so much anxiety. Um, I think also I felt angry because I felt like they were just throwing out the Bible in a sense. And I don't know if they really were, or if that was just my perception, 
But I, I do think that for me, I, it really pushed me to say, I want to figure out like what, is there another way to understand the Bible? Because to me, like to be a Christ <laughs> follower, I can't just throw out the Bible. I might not see it the same way I used to, but it still needs to have a place in my life because it's one of the main ways God teaches us about himself and speaks to us. And so I was like, is there another way to understand the Bible and some of these issues but still be honoring the Bible. And it really started propelling me on this journey to try and figure that out. And it was very stressful, it was very anxiety provoking, but um, over time it has brought incredible freedom. So that was my aha moment. Thank you, Father of the Year Award right here. For those of you listening on the podcast, instead of watching on YouTube, James is standing and bouncing Eliana because <laughs> instead of sleeping, she's now making a lot of little mm-hmm. fussing noises. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the second thing we're going to be looking at in the podcast is scripture and its intent. So not just what does scripture say in your first cursory reading, which is what I always went off of in my relationship with God, but what is the intent of it? It wasn't written to us, but it was written for us, but it it was written to a very specific time and place and people, even in Paul's letters to the people, the church at Ephesus, you know, like to a specific place at a specific time in a specific culture. So what was its intent? Am I really understanding that correctly? And so that's the second thing that we're going to be looking at in every podcast interview and honestly spending most of our time on in each interview is the intent of scripture and how historical, cultural context and understanding of the original language can um, affect the way we understand scripture. Yeah, so I I think I just want to be clear from the outset, we're going to be talking about the other side of the story and some very hot button topics. Like we are going to be talking about, we're having an interview with Matthew Vines from the Reformation Project talking about his study of scripture and why he believes it is okay for Christians to be in gay relationships. We're going to talk with pastors talking about why they think hell, the way we understand it as an underground torture chamber of fire, is not biblical. So I want you to understand from the outset that we are coming at this from a perspective of we love scripture. We believe it's God-ordained. We want to honor it but we found a lot more gray areas than we realized growing up. And so we're coming at this from a perspective of wanting to honor scripture. And so are each of the people we're interviewing on this podcast, but they're coming to a different perspective. Now we're not sharing both sides of the story because these are the sides of the story we don't hear in churches in America, evangelical America. Mm -hmm. We hear one side and we want to make space in this podcast to hear the other side on these questions that so many of us are asking, but it's considered like heresy just to ask the question sometimes. Yeah, and honestly, before, like I've always been very conservative, always gone to very conservative churches, mm-hmm. um, as many maybe many of you have. And I always thought anyone who had a different perspective wasn't really trying to follow the God of the Bible. Right. They sort of wanted to, they'd sort of slipped down the slippery slope and they believed whatever they wanted to about God or script or God or scripture or life. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was less about the issue and more about these people just have made God in their own image. Right. Like they just, they're they're worshiping the God that they want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when Tiffany started digging into this and discovered, wow, there actually are people who are really trying to study scripture and think about its original intent Mm -hmm and the the historical context um, and love God and are coming to a different perspective. I thought, how could this be possible? (laughs) I know, same. Threw me for a loop at first. It was very Mm -hmm. like, 
this can't be happening. It really shook up my black and white worldview, which again created all that anxiety. Cause I'm like, sure, I don't know yeah. what to do with this. Like yeah. this doesn't yeah. fit in the equation that I have mm -hmm. for life. Mm -hmm. But that, the more I looked into it, the more I was like, these people genuinely love God, mm -hmm. genuinely want to honor him and be surrendered to him and honor scripture. And they have good reasons for coming to different understandings of these topics in scripture and to be like, wow, you can be a Christian and think differently than me. How mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. And what's, what's interesting is I think that, that, that Tiffany has come into this and thought, wow, I, I really like maybe she's much more enthusiastic about some of these different perspectives than I am. And so, and so one of the things that I think will be interesting is mm. we'll hear these new perspectives uh -huh. and have us talk about them. Well, to brief it together. Yeah. And I, and, and, yeah, and, I, yeah. and I think that we'll find that we're, one of the things that will be interesting is I don't know that we'll always be on the same page as to uh -huh. what we think about this different take. But right. um, the point is we, we believe it's not just someone decided, hey, I want to believe something different. So I've made up right. a new interpretation of scripture to right. fit what I want to believe. Right. We believe they're genuinely trying to honor God in their mm -hmm. interpretation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you'll get to hear our conversation and really like we, I want conversations like this to happen more in church. I think they're so important. I think people are being turned off from God in church because these kinds of conversations are not happening because only one side is being mm -hmm. shared. And I think mm -hmm. it is so crucial to have these conversations. Okay. Back to our interview. <laughs> Gotten a little off topic. That's okay. So, okay. The second, the next question I have for you is what do you believe about scripture right now at this point in your life? Well, I love analogy. So my, my best, <laughs> my analogy, I'm trying this out is that for me, scripture is like the kitchen. All right. Mm. Scripture is to God what the kitchen is to food. So in the sense that like when I'm hungry, if I want to get a snack or I want, if I want to prepare food, I need to go to the kitchen. There's no really having food in our house without the kitchen. Mm. That's the primary way I get food. And so for me, that's like the primary scripture is the primary and best way for me to connect with God, for me to kind of center myself you know, while I do experience God through worship, through nature, sometimes through the occasional journal entry, really it's through scripture that I find myself really connecting with God. And I have read the Bible through so many times. Mm -hmm. there's, I, there's, I can't even remember the last time I read and was like, I can't believe that's in Nehemiah. Like, <laughs> I've read it all through. It's mm -hmm. like I'm rereading it for the upteenth time every time. But it's just amazing how the Spirit of God works through the words and it really it, it it speaks to me and encourages me and settles me and sometimes it's something very practical and sometimes it's just reveals more to me about God and lets me connect with God. Mm -hmm. So I think whereas the Bible it, before it used to be like I'm studying this very important textbook, now it's like there's this place where I'm in and when I'm in this place, that's where God's spirit that lives in my heart is really at work. It's working mm -hmm. through that. It totally makes sense. Oh, baby snuggles for my girl. I think for me, um, the way I see the Bible is different than I used to, because I guess like James, I used to see it in a very black and white way. Like there's one answer to every question and it is clear if you study hard enough in scripture. And now I see scripture as, again, one of the main ways that we learn about God and who he is, one of the main ways he speaks to us. But 
I don't see it as black and white anymore. I see a lot more gray in it. I see um, a reflection of the story of God's people learning about God and how to have a relationship with God. And there's just a whole lot more nuance and layers than I ever realized were there before. Um, I've found just starting to look and learn more about the historical and cultural context has brought it alive to me in new ways. Like James says, I've read through the Bible so many times since I was a kid. My mom would sit us at the kitchen table and read the Bible to us at breakfast, like literally cover to cover throughout the years. Like we'd work through the whole Bible since I was like, since I can remember. So this isn't, it's not new, but it's coming alive in a brand new way. As I see some of this intent that I've never seen before. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm reading it like for the first time. And it is just so exciting and making me like fall in love with the scripture again in a new way. But I also... I often think of the passage where Jesus said to the Pharisees, you come to the scriptures for in them you think you have life, but you have not come to me so that you can find life. And I think there's been times when I've done the same thing. I've gone to the scriptures, the written word, instead of the living word, Jesus. And I've, I've tried to find life in what's written, but they what's written is meant to point to him, to the living word. And so I think I just need to remember that mm. in my own life. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... There's a buzz, buzzword going around right now that has many different meanings. Some fear it, some love it, some are confused by it. Let's talk about it. Deconstruction. Tell me, James, well, why do you hate this word well, and what does it mean for you? All right. Well, I have to tell you, I really dislike any buzzword. I it's dislike true. it. You know, you like I, intentionality. I, <clears throat> Christian buzzword of 2018. <laughs> you know, because buzzwords, I really think that growth comes through dialogue. Dialogue about what you actually think about a topic and how you actually feel and what's actually going on. And that's actual dialogue. I really think that's really beneficial for us as humans and as Christians. Mm -hmm. But I think anytime in your dialogue or conversation you use buzzwords, yeah. it all of a sudden, instead of describing what's going on with you, you're sort of attached, you're, 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 you're pulling these words that have all sorts of different emotional meanings for different people and it really it gets in the way of an actual conversation and so i think deconstruction is the deconstructing is the same idea mm. um and so i i just prefer to not use that term and i prefer to hear about what actual people are actually thinking because everyone's <laughs> everyone's journey is different mm -hmm. um but certainly something that i think is disappointing in the different um stories I've heard is I think a lot of times people who are quote unquote deconstructing feel like they can't do that in church or they want to leave church or they're focused on leaving and they want to make a scene as they leave. I actually don't know a lot of people have done that, but I have okay. known like in talking with people, I've seen people who have been pushed out of their volunteer or leadership roles because they're asking these questions or deconstructing. Mm -hmm. And the church isn't okay with that. Okay. I just don't well, I want and to so that's that interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up because someone as someone who's on the more conservative end of things uh -huh. who's something who says I, I don't know that I would identify as being deconstructing. That's the way I sort of perceive this mm -hmm. word, which is, I think, yet another reason why using this word is not always super helpful. Right. It's because we all have yourself included some preconceived notions that are not necessarily grounded in the truth uh -huh. you know we live in a, a social media age where everyone wants to be able to like express an opinion or a position in like a tweet however many yeah. characters there are on twitter 
in a tweet and just like Tiffany said, things are layered, things are nuanced, uh -huh. things are personal, and we really need to have conversations with people to really understand what's going on with them and not try to summarize a movement and put everyone in a box so uh -huh. that we can just move on with our lives. But I think you're so right that a lot of times when people are deconstructing, they feel like they have to leave church. Sometimes it's from what people say, sometimes it's an internal thing. But yeah, and that is definitely heartbreaking to me. And I think that's why conversations like these are so essential for the unity of the church. We'll talk about unity more in a second. Um, for me, deconstruction, I guess I think of it very literally, like the word deconstruction means that you're taking apart the different elements of something like your faith and examining each one to make sure it's healthy and it's good and it's meant to be there in the building. And then you're putting it back together and leaving some parts out that you realize that's actually not healthy or not biblical. So for me, deconstruction means just what the word means. Like I'm looking and re-examining each part of my faith to say, is this good? Is this right? Is this honoring God in scripture? But I want to hear from you, James. How has this been for you as I am asking these questions and coming to some different conclusions than what I used to have and even different conclusions from what you may have? I don't know how different our conclusions actually are, but mm -hmm. what has that been like for you as someone who you'd say, I'm not on this journey right now. I very much am. Yeah. How that so it's, it's definitely been a sometimes stressful experience. You know, what I've realized is, and, and I think we'll unpack this more in later episodes, but what I've realized is a lot of my, I, I've sort of, I've, I've figured out ways that the whole Bible made sense, that the world made sense. And to have, to sort of have that challenged is like, wait, I had already kind of figured that out. Right. It was running in the background. It uh -huh. was fine. Yeah. Why are we taking apart something that works for me? Mm. Um, and so that's, I think as a guy who's very, you know, focused on growth and progress and moving forward, I was like, wait, we're, we're taking a step back. We're, we're playing with something that isn't broken. Yeah. Um, but I think another part that was stressful was just sometimes the different things that you would say as you were sort of processing what you were reading or what you were thinking. I would think, whoa, right. whoa. Heresy, what yeah, is my life Yeah, thinking? like what's going on? And so it's definitely, I think in the place I am now is mm -hmm. more thinking of like, this is part of your journey that, mm -hmm. where I feel like, hey, everything was working fine. Uh -huh. You did most certainly not feel like everything was working mm -hmm. fine. And on some level, I thought everything was working fine, but only maybe in my little world of mm -hmm. me and the people I know. Right, right. Um, it's definitely, I think it's a process, but I think like I know that Tiffany has a real relationship with God. I've known that since very soon after I met her and we started dating. Mm -hmm. And I know that that hasn't changed. Right. So I, you know, I, I see this as part of her journey and I think it's part of my journey to come alongside with her, but not necessarily part of my journey to say, oh, well, I believe that now too because of this book you read. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think too, like, it's made me so thankful that I married you because I used to think like the guy I marry should be just very like cemented in one way of thinking. That was my black and whiteness coming out. And you're just so good at listening to different perspectives. Like it doesn't, at least you don't let on that it phases you, you know, like you're just, mm -hmm. it's because of that relational piece in your mm -hmm. life. I hope this isn't too distracting, all this baby cuteness in yes. the middle of the video. <laughs> but it's probably going to sound weird on the podcast, but yeah. you know what? That's just where we are. That's where we are as parents right now of littles. But yeah, so I think 
it just makes me want to say again, like we hear in church all the time, marry someone who's a Christian. Guys, I want to say marry someone who's not afraid of hard conversations, who's not turned off by them, who listens and respects you and is with you on the journey. Because what you go through in life, like your beliefs will change. That's normal. That's healthy. Things that are alive are growing and changing. And that doesn't mean that it'll completely change, but you're going to grow and change through life. And you want someone who's going to be with you and not... I don't know, not like ditching you, like not willing to talk about it. So, sure, sure. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but okay. So what is the purpose of this podcast? This podcast, again, is to create space to share the other side of the stories on these topics in a way that honors God and scripture. Um, some would say that these conversations only lead to disunity in the church. What would you say about that? Well, so I think, again, as someone who comes from a very conservative background, and to be honest, and probably much more conservative than a lot of folks who would identify as being in a de- in deconstructing, I think what's really important, what I hope that everyone takes away from this, no matter how conservative you are, is ask yourself, all right, so if someone has a different perspective than we, you mentioned hell, or a different than I have, or a different perspective on the LGBTQ community than I have, can they still be a Christian? Mm-hmm. So yes or no. And so I think that you, I, I would just encourage everyone to come up with an answer to that question. Um, because I think we all have issues in our mind that um, that we can differ on and say, yeah, we're all part of the Christian community, like baptism. Should you get sprinkled as an infant? Could you get Should you get immersed as an adult? I think while we will... A lot of folks will vehemently disagree on this. At the end of the day, I don't know that we would ever say, and this person, this Presbyterian is not a Christian because they don't immerse. Like, no one really says that. On the flip side, on the kind of the other end of the spectrum, there are beliefs that I think really put you outside of really knowing Jesus and being a Christian. I remember working on a farm in Argentina. Um, and this is a hilarious story. it was a beautiful community. We had such a good time, but the folks there, they were homeschooled like we were. Um, my they brother and I were Spanish. Down. Yeah. They, <laughs> um, I, I, I can't really get into the full story. It's hilarious though. <laughs> it is but, hilarious um, for another time. But eventually we figured out that they didn't believe that Jesus was God. They believed that Jesus was just a man. Also, he was just a they were a cult, man. they found. Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's, like a cult, but that's why the reason I would say they're a cult. They're not just like an odd denomination. They're a cult. They don't believe that Jesus was God. So because of that, I would say, you know, as nice, as moral as these folks are, they're on the outside. Um, so somewhere on this spectrum are these issues from baptism to Jesus was just a guy. And so I'd be, I want all of my, my conservative friends to, to, to say, all right, this is where I believe these issues are on that spectrum. And, you know, Beth Moore calls it rib issues and spine issues. Yeah. Like yeah. The rib issues, mm-hmm. different people just have different beliefs on the mm-hmm. spine issues are essential mm-hmm. to having an orthodox view of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I would just encourage you to have just a really develop a thoughtful position for why this issue is as essential or non-essential as it is to you. And I like that language of essential, non-essential, because I really think it's not helpful to look at it as like that person's on the outside. That person's not a Christian. Like I, I guess to me that language, like God is the only one who can judge that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in one of the episodes, but like 
Um, I, I think it's more like, is this with deconstruction, is this an essential piece of the faith or not? Um, is this something that you could still say I'm honoring scripture and God and believe? Um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I guess I'm not as comfortable with saying like they're in or they're out because I think that there's going to be a lot of people when we get to heaven who we thought were out and they're mm -hmm. actually in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think heaven also is going to look a lot different than we think it is. We're going to talk about that in episode three, heaven and hell, very mm -hmm. different than mm -hmm. I think I grew mm -hmm. up thinking they were. Mm -hmm. But um, oh. yeah, so... For those of you watching the video, Eliana is moving in for a snack. Yeah, <laughs> I better finish this up if she wants to eat. But I think um, for me, disunity comes when we're not willing to listen to another's perspective or when we villainize them for their perspective. And I think that is where disunity comes from. And so disunity is not exploring different perspectives. It's being unwilling to listen to different perspectives. Having a perspective that's too much like, I'm sorry, you're different from me, so you're out. That, I think, is what causes disunity, in my opinion. So I think, like, these topics are actually meant to unify the church, to all those people who feel like they can't be a part of the community because they're asking these. Having conversations like this is what is needed. It's not going to, in my opinion, not going to tear the church apart. It's what the church needs because the church is already being torn apart by these questions, even if they don't know it. And if we talked about it, it could unify us and realize yeah. we have things in common. Like you were saying, we believe that Jesus is God. Like we have that in common. We believe that we're meant to honor scripture. It's from God for us. Like we have that in common and finding those common grounds, I think is way more important than being up in arms about particular differences and issues personal opinion yeah yeah i hope we get to talk about that more because yeah. i i think i identify with some of what you say but some of the way some of what you say i'm either thinking i disagree with that uh -huh. or maybe we're just using different language so right. it'll be interesting to see how this we'll have to unpack that yeah. i think after the heaven and hell -ish episodes we'll be we'll be talking about this a little mm -hmm. more that idea of in and out and mm -hmm. oh guys i'm so excited yeah. ah! James is like, oh boy, what did I sign up for? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like I said, I like I like actual conversations about what yeah. actual people think. Yeah, I love it. I am not trying to solve this for anybody else, uh -huh. but this is part of the dynamic in our family. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So welcome I'm, to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for doing this with me, and thank you guys for being with us. We can't wait to have more of these conversations with you next week. We're diving into part one about hell. Where we're looking at the original language that is translated hell. It's actually four different words with four very specific meanings, none of which are an underground torture chamber. Interesting fact. Um, we're also going to talk about the story of Lazarus and the lake of fire with the rich man, if you're familiar with that parable, mm -hmm. and what that might have meant. So I'm super pumped for this. Um, we have two episodes with different guest interviews about hell coming up right now, and then we'll do another debrief session mm -hmm. with just me and James. So I love you guys, and I'll see you next week for another episode about growing the good Christian girl. Hey, Eliana says goodbye. Bye from the baby to you. <laughs>